Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Lowe, episode 23. Hi gang, what you're about to hear is a chat I've had with my good friend Ben, who lives in the United States of America, in a state called Maryland. Um, I've known Ben since nursery school, I think, so probably about age of four, um, so quite a long time, 25 years-ish, I think, is that right? Yeah, something like that. Um, he moved to the States uh, a few years ago uh, on a permanent basis. Um, and yeah, uh, I just he's a good friend and has been a very uh, vocal supporter of the Audio Diaries. Uh, so I've wanted to have a little chat with him for a little while uh, and just find out, A, what's up with Ben, and B, how the whole coronavirus pandemic lockdown thing is going on in the United States, because I'm sure we've all seen crazy things on the news and things. I want to go deeper. I want to find out from a guy who's actually over there what it is like. Um, yeah, so we talk a lot of nonsense at the beginning and throughout. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you enjoy this little chat with my pal, Ben. Ah, the minute I press record, this guy comes in the room. Uh, that's the dog. That's not the dog that I pictured. No. What dog are you picturing? Um, I don't know if you ever described him, but I was picturing like a sand, a sandy coloured dog. Oh, he stinks. <laughs> yeah, he's what a dog. Uh, yeah, dogs stink. <laughs> so, Ben. Has this been Tell a soft? Me. This has been a soft start. Yeah, it has been a soft start. It's a soft start. Do you normally do a soft start? I I don't normally do much of anything. Um, yeah, hard start. Uh, hard start. Um, so Ben, you're in you're in Maryland in the United States of America. Wait, aren't we supposed to start with an Audible ad? Um, well, when I get sponsored, we will. Um, <laughs> but that remains a distant dream Jack, so far. During, I'm just going to read the script that you emailed me, Jack. During okay. lockdown, I've been listening to The Martian by oh, is it Andy Weir. Andy Weir. Paul Weir is his brother. <laughs> By Andy brother. Weir on audible.com. And your listeners can uh, do it too what, uh, for, for a percentage off. It's, I mean, they could uh, do it just by signing up for Audible regularly. 50% off using the code... 50%? Uh, <laughs> Lockdown Diary. I'm not going to get any cut from that whatsoever. <laughs> what cut do you actually think that they get in? I have no idea. I don't think um, it works like that. You, you negotiate the t- uh, term and then um, Audible give you a lump sum, right? And then they just use the code. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, don't... I, I mean, I assume they're not getting paid in audiobooks. <laughs> Where, how, would you, how would you store them? They have no worldly value. It really cheeses me off that when you buy a regular book that you... you you should have the option to pay like an extra quid and get like a ebook version of it. Yeah, or, or, or it should just be included. But yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why are they as expensive as actual books? I don't know because no the surely the the cost of the cost of writing the book is the guy sitting there, or lady. It's twenty twenty, sitting yeah. there and writing the book. Right, that's the labor intensive part. Surely. I mean, someone's got to convert them. This is a very soft start, Jack. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, when Everybody... I was doing my uh, uh, work experience after university, I worked for a media company and there was a yeah. guy doing audiobooks. Yeah. That was, uh, we had to listen to them with a copy of, we had to listen to Dave's recordings with a copy of the book and highlight where they had gone off script more than like <laughs> you're allowed a little bit of leeway like you can you can go slightly off the script but if you go off more then there are legal implications that it's not the actual text and you're buying a separate product or something so That's like so that was a tedious job well how, but how much do they actually go off script you're not talking about inventing characters well so I can't remember what the book was that we were reading, but apparently previously, like the reason they'd warned us about this is they had some guy that had written some sort of self-help book of some kind. And he was essentially just winging it. He wasn't like any qualified doctor or psychiatrist or anything like that. He'd just written a book. And then when he came down to record it, he read it, he read it himself. And he was just adding stuff in willy-nilly. And like, they sort of, are, are you... You went a bit off script there, mate. Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd uh, I'd pop that bit in. <laughs> what? You just ripped it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they were very keen to uh, to not have people just riffing it. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, wild's a strong word, but yeah. Want to just make up part of a book? Well, I'd so <clears throat> having listened having listened to the podcast. What episode are we up to? I think it's like twenty three. Yeah, I think you're right. It feels like having listened to this podcast during the um, coronavirus pandemic, uh, I've known you all my life. You know, having yeah. having having listened to uh, all all twenty two episodes. Yeah, it's just where the intimacy you can get with a <laughs> with a voice in the head, isn't it? Like, it's you feel great. like you really know a person. Yeah, um, and just before we started, I wanted to run through some um, ideas for the fan club. Oh, okay. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna get together, uh, me and the other seven people listening to the podcast, and uh, yeah. and have have the first meeting, and write a charter. But we wanted to run some names past you for the fan club. Would you prefer the uh, the lockdowners, or the uh, the diarrheas? <laughs> I mean, uh, so lockdowners. I mean, it's got the word downer in there. Which yeah, isn't great, but then I think that is possibly better than diarrheists. Um, <laughs> Why? Why do you think that? Uh, I just don't like the associations with fecal matter. Um, ah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll take that over as <laughs> No, it, I mean, it hadn't crossed my mind. Uh, <laughs> clearly not. Um, um, <laughs> Uh, well, it's you a know. very soft start. This has been an incredibly soft start. <laughs> soft as the diarrheaist. Um, <laughs> what was it? The lockdown diarrheas. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, soft start. Well, thank you, Ben, for, for listening with the dedication that you have. Um, I mean, if you want to self-appoint as the president for life of the fan club, then you have my blessing. President for life. Yeah. I didn't prepare a speech accepting uh, <laughs> the, the position of president for life. Yeah. Um, but if you give me a second, I'm sure I can come up with... We should start, Jack. We should start. This has been too We fast. should start. We should start. Ben, yes. you're in Maryland, in the United right. States of America. Correct. 
Uh, how is lockdown in Maryland? Well, I must say Maryland within a sort of a Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. Um, we haven't had a lockdown. The word lockdown. One word. I, I mean, I think that was it's a one question. word. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was checking with you. You've got the, the English degree. Well, um, Microsoft Word uh, says it's wrong, or Outlook, but I think I think it's a neologism. I think we're, we're going with lockdown as one word now. Yeah, lockdown as one word. So the word lockdown are, are the two words together, lock hyphen down, have not been uttered. Um, in the in the same sentence to describe what we've got here, we have got a stay at home order. Okay, that was issued by the governor um, on March thirtieth, and it, it's I don't know, it's a little bit similar to your lockdown. It's not as uh, all encompassing. Nobody is telling us when when we can exercise or how many times. Um, but the the concept of uh, key workers mm-hmm. translates over to call them essential workers. So, uh, you know, your essential workers are still expected to go in. I think the definition of what is a key worker and what is essential worker is slightly different because um, I don't know, some of the some of the shops that I don't think you could really say were essential have remained open. Such as, um, oh, you put me on the spot. So some of the uh, retail shops selling things that I don't think are essential um, have remained open. But on the, so I was thinking about this the other day. But on the flip side, the charity shops have been forced to close. Now, if you're saying that the clothes shops can stay open. But the charity shops have to close. Is that's not equitable, is it? It sounds inconsistent to me. What, what's the? Is there any reason for that given? Uh, I uh, was not included in my preparation for this show to find out. About that's that. okay. <laughs> we come from very soft to quite granular. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Bit of a pace shift. I, I apologize. No. So um, uh, March fifth. Maryland got its first case. Mm-hmm. Um, then on March 12th, the governor announced that the schools would close the following day. And then uh, they moved the primaries back uh, further in the week, you know, so people people didn't have to congregate together. And I, I believe they're pushing for um, mail-in voting. Right. This is Democratic primaries, which is all going on when all this kind of, kind of kicked off, right? Correct, which is going to be really interesting to see how it uh, affects the um, election. Because obviously the, the nomination is all but secured yeah. by Vice, Vice President Biden. But um, you still need that momentum mm. uh, that the primary, even, even though it's all kind of done and dusted, you still need the momentum of the primaries. And that's something that's been missing um, from this year. I mean, I don't know how, how in-depth you want to get about uh, the general election. We can talk about it briefly. I don't think the virus is going to significantly alter the result of the general election. 
And what do you uh, think that will be? What do you think that well, will be? I think we're going to have another uh, four more. If I was a betting man, I would bet that we were going to have another four more years of, yeah. um, of Donny. Mm. I'm inclined to agree, based on yeah. nothing. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I just don't see any evidence of anything significantly changing, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not even, I mean, is the general atmosphere as to how the government is handling the situation on a nationwide, is that not bad enough to engender any greater ill feeling to Trump than people already have? I can't imagine well, I don't, many people. Uh, no, sorry, that was a bit loud. I don't, I can't <laughs> speak to nationally what it's like, mm. but definitely um, in this kind of area, with the people that I have been speaking to, nothing has changed. I will say that um, most of the people I know are not the people who voted for him anyway. Sure. Uh, but even even the people um, that I know who did vote for him, nothing significantly changed. Everybody knew he was a buffoon going into the 2016 election. And yeah. there's been no evidence to Like, he hasn't done anything to... To the contrary, does that make you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely get it. Like, I, I don't think, like, you know, the people that voted for Trump because they like him and what he's about, and the people that didn't because they don't. I don't think there's been any real shift in what he's done or said he would do. Like, he, he, you know, he's a bit Ron Seal. You kind of you, you voted for the <laughs> the crazy guy, and he right, right. and that's what he's done. So I can't see. Yeah, I um, there's a lot of people against him. A lot. Of, people for him but i can't imagine there's that much people changing sides one way or the other no i think that some people have got a little bit more realistic about their perspective of him but i still think those people are going to vote for it based on the yeah. conversations I've i think that's similar to um uh boris i tend to agree everybody knows what he's like it's no secret no everybody knows that that is not what you want um from an ideal leader but we still voted for him so yeah, I, I, it's it's very there's a lot of parallels. I think um, when you yeah. say um, the Democratic nomination is is basically done, is that a is that a situation? Is that like Liverpool? They 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 pretty much have won the title, but they just need what the extra couple of points to make it mathematically oh. so. Is that oh. it's analogous? Uh, I think that they have put the convention back, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, I meant, I meant in the sense that uh, Bernie dropped out. I thought he, so I thought he dropped out of campaigning, but his name was still on the ticket. Is that, is that well, erroneous? That that might be the case, but if he's if he said he's not, to the same thing. Yeah, if he's not going to drop out, his name can remain on the ticket, but right, right, he's not going to accept it. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, and just on a practical level, like, do you think? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you, you'd be better informed than I am, but, like, is the election likely to actually be able to go ahead, do we think, in November? Is that practical? Yeah, or? yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have thought yeah. they would do it. So, um, oh, a number of years ago, I read a book about the... Um, I've forgotten who wrote it. It's something to do with the burgeoning Democratic majority and in in the US and that made the case that Trump was it two weeks ago said a week ago said time time just kind of has turned into one um 
homogenous thing, hasn't it? But yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he had made the point, I think it was on Fox News. Um, if you've got the clip, you can run the clip now. Um, <laughs> Running clip. Where he said... Uh, <laughs> where he said that in elections with low turnout Republicans do better we don't want people to get to the polls because that means we'll lose the election and that's something that has been the case in this country and that's why the Republican yeah. Party has shifted to voter suppression um, as, as one of the main parts of their uh, electoral strategy so with that in mind it would benefit the incumbent president in order to, you know, right. right. And even if so, even if individual states do uh, mail in ballots, like that's fine too. That'll still benefit because, you know, ballots get lost. And I'm not talking about lost in the post or voter fraud, but like you get it mailed to you. There is a deadline. Life carries on, especially now where a lot of people are looking after their kids in their house. They're very stressed out coming into summer. You know, a lot of those ballots is going to be an attrition rate that just kind of happens. So even even like large scale uh, mail-in ballots are not terrible for uh, Republican election chances. I will say this, though. So um, I don't know how much uh, late-night comedy you are exposed to um, over there. But no, one just of... a lot of stuff on YouTube and things. So I get it a bit vicariously. Okay. Um, who who did you say that was Lauren? Who does she watch? Um, well, she certainly watches a lot of Saturday Night Live, and she watches... A guy with dark hair. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> Say again. That's all of them. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not our guy, the British guy. It's not Corden. Um, not- I can't remember. Um, she used to watch a lot of uh, uh, Trevor Noah, but I don't think he's doing it anymore, is he? I think he's doing it from his house. Isn't he? Oh right, okay. <clears throat> um, I, I can't remember. She watches one of them. I feel very bad for Trevor Noah because he had such huge shoes to fill. That was that was a almost impossible task for him. Uh, he took over from Stuart, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, the the reason I brought that up is because something that has bothered me, right, is if you're watching the late night comedians, Colbert is the one that kind of springs. I think mind. it's Colbert. <clears throat> you think it's Colbert? I think that's who she watches. They haven't stopped hammering the president. Sure. Like they haven't stopped. And I just kind of feel that if you had that platform at this point in time, you should have, or you had the opportunity to shift towards, instead of constantly, ha- like, we know he's unfit. We, we get it. It's no secret. Even the people who voted for him know that. Mm. Um. You sh- we perhaps should have shifted our platforms to <clears throat> supporting everyday people and giving them the correct advice for the virus and uh, trying to make them feel a little better about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I know um, Colbert himself made a point when Trump got elected that um, it's too easy to make jokes about Trump and it's difficult to actually write an original joke. You've got to work a lot harder. And I just thought, this is kind of the perfect opportunity. Jimmy Fallon's kind of doing this cute show out of his kid's den. Like, his kids have got this enormous playhouse type thing. And he's doing his little show out of there. And there's a lot less 
Trump I said Fallon. I think it might be Fallon. You could probably say any of them. Maybe she watches them all. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just a little bit, just a little bit more positive, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's a shame that that's an opportunity that doesn't sound like it's been seized. I agree. That's I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, that's what you said. Um, Jack, how did you how did you sleep last night? How did I sleep last night? Yeah, how did you sleep? <laughs> this is where we start selling the uh, the mattresses. Well, I've been sleeping on a Casper mattress. <laughs> really? And wow, <laughs> did it come to it, your door? It comes to the door in a what vacuum then? bag, and you slice it open. The thing explodes on your bed. Make sure you've pushed all of your furniture to the out, like to the walls, just in case mm. something happens. Casper's not responsible for any injuries as the mattress unfolds. And your listeners can get 90% off if they use the code LOCKDOWNDIARIES at casper.com. But Ben, what if, what if my listeners uh, do that and they get the mattress, but they, they don't like it? What, what, what then? Worry. Casper has some sort of money-back guarantee. <laughs> And if I paid more attention to the ads in the podcast I listened to, I'd be able to tell you how many days it was. <laughs> I feel like it's 100 days. 100 days? Just, well, it's like, what, it's like three months, just over three months. Oh, Jack, how many days have we had the coronavirus? Um, it's been more than 100 days because I, oh I read a feature on the first 100 days. Um, which I feel was slightly arbitrary because didn't it kick off in like October, November time in Wuhan? I think, yeah, one of the first case in October. Didn't they say the first US case was in like December as well? They've gone back oh, and really? looked at it. Yeah. 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 Something like that. So we, we've, talked, uh, we've talked around the, the subjects and stuff on a kind of a, on a macro level. How about you and yourself? What's, what's your situation? Because you work in a school. Am I right in thinking that they're not going back till January? Is, is that boo hockey? Uh, they haven't said so. Our governor closed the schools on, um, as of May 6th. So two days ago, he had a press conference and closed the schools uh, through the end of the year. I don't know when we go. I don't know when we're going back. Um, just kind of got to wait and see. We've gone to... Um, I don't, I don't want to speak too much about what's going on, you know, just to maintain everybody's privacy. But we've, we've gone sure. to like an online learning kind of thing, which um, was a big challenge to set up very quickly because that infrastructure didn't exist. Mm. Uh, I would say uh, the school district I teach in has worked really hard and done a really good job. Um, I think it's very difficult for parents who have got no experience teaching their kids and still have to, you know, pay the bills and everything to manage the childcare aspect of looking after the kids with the educational component. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think the way, uh, the solution that we've come up with has been really, really positive. Um, we're not, we are not allowed in the school buildings. Um, so like, I mean, I, I, I packed a box on that last day because it wasn't clear when we were getting back, but there is some, there's still some personal um, effects. So sure. at some point we're going to have to figure out like 
how we go get those because there's no i mean for me it's pretty set but for other teachers there's no actual guarantee that you end up in the same classroom um or even the same school so you, you might lose i don't know you might lose your favorite mug or something so yeah. they're gonna have to figure that out but yeah um it's uh, largely been okay um we, you know, I, I uh, trying to maintain a routine, mm-hmm. um, doing work online, setting lessons, grading. Um, there's a video component that we have to that we do, so the kids still get like the face to face. Sure. Uh, yeah. I again, like completely unprecedented, right? Nobody, nobody signed up for this. Nobody during an interview to be a teacher or to be an administrator or anything like that, nobody sat there and went, and what would you do if there was a global pandemic that shut down the schools for X amount of debt? Like nobody had this on anybody's radar. I think they've done mm-hmm. a really, a really good job with the tools that you had available. Well, that's good and reassuring to hear. How does the uh, the practicality of like doing work and submitting it on an on, what is the online platform like? Is that a shared drive of some kind? How does it work? So the, there is actually a bunch of different infrastructure. So if you homeschool your kid, there's loads of different options for you to sign up, like these these websites that are a complete learning environment um, that can be administered administered by a parent or a teacher. And uh, what successful school districts have been doing is signing up for one of these companies and then running their lessons like that so the kids um sign in every day they have x amount of lessons that's all interactive it's all actually stuff that's been um available for probably three three or four years um but but now is when the school districts are buying into it in order to deliver the um the online learning so yeah, it, it's kind of like <clears throat> um, what the future, what we were always told when I did my um, teaching practice, what the future of teaching is going to be like. The teacher is more of a facilitator and administrator who sits at a computer and monitors the learning of the children. The children go in, the stu- I shouldn't say children, the, the students go in and they, you know, <laughs> click through the lesson or the activity and progress is monitored like that. So it's it. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of high tech. The one that um, we are using, I hope we carry on using it um, in this capacity because it would be easy to build it into my classroom, and it's mm. a really really powerful tool of tracking learning. Um, so yeah, I I'm I'm pretty content with yeah. the system. I mean, if if uh, I guess if other other teaching professionals are also have the same positive opinion that you do with it. Like I, I imagine it'll be one of many things that kind of gets uh, a legacy from from this time. I guess if it if it works. And stuff. I have to say it does sound a little bit like uh, the e-learning things that I have to do in my job, like with fire safety and heavy lifting, yeah, and, yeah. and you, know, you click through and you make progress and stuff. 
I mean, I tend to just click progress, 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 and then just chance my arm and quizzes at the end, and it usually works. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, they're designed to make people pass. I, I would hope uh, an actual educational one would have a little bit more scrutiny. <laughs> but that's what I had to do was for the prevent training. Are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which was took out ages. But it was quite interesting, that one, I suppose. You know. Yeah, I thought you just clicked through it. Oh, there's some unskippable videos you have to watch. Oh, jeez, unskippable videos. Come on. I know, it's like the cutscene in the game. It's just, I want to get back to clicking yes. Um, but, yeah. How is it, how is it, what I've just told you, how is that different to what's going on there? Um, well, to be honest with you, I don't really know. You're the first, I didn't ask, like, um, any of our mutual teacher friends how they're doing what they're doing or getting on um my sister um who's a teaching assistant in a school she's still going in they're on a kind of a uh sort of a rotor for the timetable so i think she's yeah. on like a week yeah. off week where she goes in for half a day and then a week for a longer day uh lately or the last week i think she's just been going in at noon um but yeah in her role she's uh she sort of supports the kids that are uh, disruptive to classrooms and bring them out sort of before they might go in for a uh, exclusion or whatever. So she works with them, and yeah, uh, she's at um, so the school she's at is sort of a hub um, for other children in the catchment area that are the children of uh, key workers or whatever. So I think she said it's about a third full, but yeah. So as far as she's concerned, it's sort of more or less the same, but on a slightly different rotor and with fewer kids. In terms of people that aren't kids, students, that aren't going into school, I, I don't really know. I know that there has been, the BBC have put up a lot of resources, the Bite Size website has been zhuzhed up and, yeah, and stuff, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't really know, to be honest. There's an education element in what we do, so um, I work for a sexual health charity, um, and they do a lot of RSC and things, um, and but like whilst there's no schools in, um, a lot of the education team are on furlough because they can't go to no schools. But there's, uh, yeah, there's some are working with like uh, youth offending services and things like that that are still going, but it's a, a lot, a big reduction in uh, in capacity. Yeah. Your colleagues who are on furlough, what are they doing? Um, well, so the way it's sort, um, it's divvied up is um, we have the clinical team of which I am part, and the education team. So they're they're separate. So I'm I'm not that uh, close with anyone in the education team directly. So I imagine like that downstairs, downstairs kind of thing. A little bit. Well, having said that, and I won't mention any names or anything, but we are we are going through a furlough process for one of our team members. Uh, just. There is plenty of work. It's, it's been jumping through all kinds of hoops to try and get her furlough because it's just, you know, what she'd want to do. But, like, we, if she, it, I think she will get it. Um, but, like, we can't talk to her for three months. Uh, three months? Three weeks. Um, if she takes it, we can't officially contact her. She's not allowed to do any work for us at all. Otherwise, that negates um, the claiming it back from the government or whatever. Uh, so... Yeah, I guess just chilling out and working on their novels, probably. <laughs> but yeah, 
Yeah. Um, ben, you just moved house as well. Or did you, did yeah. you not move house? <laughs> no, we, we did. We moved house uh, during, but we didn't, I mean, we didn't move that far. Um, yeah. And obviously I've got the, the RV, so we didn't have to hire anybody or have anybody like in the house. Uh, and I'm not saying that for our safety, but also like their safety too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we moved house. I uh, can feel that in my back. Uh, <laughs> uh, very happy with where we moved. It's, um, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just lovely. I'm looking out of the window now. It's very pretty. Uh, we're very, very fortunate that we had this opportunity. Um, yeah, very happy. Cool. And I mean, something I, I enjoy receiving is your photos of your your menagerie of animals <laughs> can you can you talk the listeners through the creatures great and small i can i'll start small so we've got um probably about fifty thousand ticks on the property oh yeah Thanks. did you have to pay extra for that uh, no we didn't they came free um unfortunately uh, and there's a weird pattern as to where you go and how many ticks you find on yourself that sure. I haven't I haven't figured out. Sometimes I can be down, you know, in amongst the trees and I'll come back up to the house and I'll be absolutely covered. Other times I'll be there and I'll get back to the house and there's not a single tick anywhere to be found. And I don't understand how... I... Is it your diet? Blood sugar. I think if you've got more sugar in your blood at a given time you're more attracted to them. Is that so? I think that's true for, like, mozzies and midgy things. So I'd assume ticks are vaguely similar. I got to believe that my blood sugar is, like, pre-diabetic all the time. So I, <laughs> and they, they don't really like me that much. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you deal with the ticks when they're <laughs> on you? What's your method? Off. You just pull them off. Just pull them off? You just Without pull them off. And off. You look at him and go, ooh, I'm going to pull you off. And then you pull him off. So I got a tick uh, camping did once. You? I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I felt it on my, like, just above my hip, um, on my on my nude body, um, just as I was about to drop off. And I was like, what's that? And I, I kind of fell asleep. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I got home when I guess it was even more engorged I was kind of going to the shower and stuff and, and uh, uh, post-camping. And I saw it on my hip and I was like, oh, no. And I just yanked that thing out of me, <laughs> uh, leaving all its in its inside. So I didn't get Lyme's disease, which is good. But I'm just really glad I didn't yank it off while I was in the sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. That would <laughs> so it could have reattached that. itself elsewhere. And that, that would have been bad. It would have been really bad. So I'm glad you're, you're taking tick care of yourself. Yeah. Well, the, see, the dog gets a tablet. He takes a tablet every three months, and they die when they bite him. Damn. That's and a good tablet. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Like, it's the when they bite him, they kind of stand upright so you can see them really clearly. Yeah. Because you know, usually they try and get flush with your skin. They stand upright, and then all of their legs fall off. Ooh. That's a serious tablet. How do they even manufacture that? I don't know, and I I imagine it's probably not very good for the dog, and that's why there's not a human equivalent. Mm. 
Okay, so then to control the tick population, we are um, we're actually brooding some chicks. We've got some Asian variety. We've got some kosher kings, which are a, a meat bird. And then we've got some silver-laced wine dots. And then we have a turkey as well for Christmas. Nice. And are you, you going to eat them for meat on eggs and things? Almost yeah. Chicken yeah. Or everything? Uh, for everything. So the, um, the boys will meet a, um, uh, a swift and uh, peaceful and hopefully delicious end. <laughs> Um, and we'll keep the girls, obviously, for eggs. Sure. But we went with dual-purpose birds throughout the flock, apart from the turkey, obviously. Dual-purpose. Yeah. So you can kind of do both with them. Um, and it's then... nice to have a purpose, and these guys have got two. Oh, I see. They nice to have a purpose, and these guys have got two. I heard it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In life. That's, yeah, I agree. It's nice to have a purpose. How's... How's the lockdown going? Okay, so then uh, moving <laughs> up, we've got a foster pig. A foster um, pig? Yeah. I she, you were just fostering. Yeah, she's kind of, she was surrendered. The family couldn't take care of her. Apparently she was an inside pig. She's causing trouble mm, in the neighborhood. I don't know. Stable family home. I don't know. She's, um, I imagine her to be a bit of a welfare queen, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> Tell me more. Apparently, they'd feed a McDonald's. Right. Okay. And she's very particular about her blanket. Yeah. She likes to have her blanket in a certain place. Um, has, so, has the pig got a taste for, for flesh? Uh, no. She's very gentle. Has not bitten anybody, human or animal. Great. I don't know if she could because she's got... This tiny, she's she's like a pot-bellied, long-haired, pot-bellied pig. She's got yeah. this tiny little mouth, really weird little mouth. It's almost like a beak, <laughs> and it kind of it sticks out. She's a real <laughs> weird. She's a real weird-looking creature. She kind of <laughs> when she she walks over to you, you know, if you've got food for her, and she's very gentle. She'll take it out of your hand because she's used to eating, you know, double quarter pounder and French fries. So. <laughs> Does she uh, eat the gherkins? Or... I've not That's given her a pickle. Sad. She she eats bananas. It's really funny to watch her eat bananas. But then she kind of like I don't know her her mouth kind of opens and her teeth emerge and she really gently takes whatever you're you're feeding her and then she kind of just retracts and munches it. Well, like She's alien. Not, a little bit like alien. She's real funny looking. It's difficult to say that she's overweight because she's a pig, but I think she's probably a bit overweight. That's why she looks so weird. Is she for the slaughter as well, or is that no? So you wouldn't you wouldn't eat a pot belly pig, and I think she's over well, five years old, so she'd be a bit strange. Times might you get might, hard. Yeah, you might if you were desperate. <laughs> I've been reflecting quite a lot. You know that people say the pigs are as intelligent as a human of X amount years old. Sure. I've been kind of, I don't know, just in my mind, um, how do you rationalize like people being vegetarian, that kind of thing. And you just kind of, every so often you'll come across something and you think, yeah, 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 I can see why someone 
knowing that fact might become a vegetarian I might become a vegan and there's just this little uh, pang in my mind of like is she really as intelligent as I don't know a five-year-old I don't know if that's the age as a five-year-old this morning when I fed her her food it took her 15 minutes to find the food so I don't think she's that bright Mm, she could be an outlier, or a, <laughs> or the majority. Maybe they were just speaking to the really clever pigs. Yeah, maybe the clever ones are the ones that we eat because they're so delicious. Yeah, and it's best to sort of get rid of the smarter ones in the population, I would imagine. Just in cases of revolt. That's why we kill it of the pigs. That's why we've been murdering the whales, in case you missed one. And then next up is Diamond Sparkles, the goat. Oh, uh, yes. Um, she's very flighty. <laughs> I don't know if she was she was treated very well. I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, say that out loud, but uh, <laughs> she she's warming up to us. Um, she I don't know what kind of goat she is. Again, too old to eat. I know that. Does she produce milk? Mm. <laughs> Have you checked? <laughs> I've not checked. <laughs> I haven't checked. I don't think she, I don't think she's ever been bred, so she wouldn't produce milk. She's a show goat. <laughs> she's a show goat. I think she was a 4-H goat, and I don't know. She oh, just kind of, 4-H is like um, it's like a, a agricultural club, a bit like scouts kind of type thing. Young farmers. Yeah, young farmers. Um, <clears throat> I think she was a 4-H goat and she just missed the window to go to the slaughterhouse. So she's oh, kind of in, she's kind of in goat purgatory. Is it lucky? You just said that it's important to have a purpose. She doesn't have a purpose. I mean, I was being glib. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, well, you could give her a purpose. I don't know. I could build a little, yeah, I'll build a little cart and make her pull me around. She would hate that. When you say she's old for a goat, how old, how old is that? How old uh, is that? I, well, I don't, I'm not sure. She's just old. <clears throat> Do you want me to look it up? No, nah, it's okay. Well, I'll look it up whilst we're talking. And then no, the last okay. animal we've got is, <laughs> it's a very soft start, Jack. It's incredibly soft. I like animals <laughs> and hearing about them. <laughs> how long do goats live? The last animal that we've... 15 to 18 years, Jack. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but... Yeah. It's like a I, think, thing, basically. I think she's about four years old. Four? Four. And I'm, I'm guessing more uh, on the condition of her tag. She has a tag on her ear, and it still looks fine. So I don't think she's old. <laughs> You'll have to cut her in two and count the rings. <laughs> She'd hate you could have this coat for the next part, but she would hate that. <laughs> for, the, for the next decade. Yeah, I, we could have her for the next decade. That, I mean, I don't mind her. She's, um, you know, she walks up to the house when she's hungry, she wants to be fed. I caught her um, standing on her hind legs, eating the uh, leaves off the willow tree the other day. She's quite a character. Hmm. And she loves the horse. The horse we've got um, is another rescued animal. He was a um, buggy horse, Ormish buggy horse. Um, Ormish? 
He was Amish. He's not even the Amish. Yeah, he left. He left the church. <laughs> <laughs> Is he freak out when you show him a mobile phone? Um, he, he's not a massive fan of the car. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, he. Uh, we're Sorry, looking at Amish listeners out there. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> so he um he was a buggy horse. We went to an Amish auction with a friend who is stocking her uh, lesson farm, lesson barn, and he was sold for meat. She tracked him down. Yeah, horse meat. She tracked him down and um, purchased him, didn't have a place to put him, and we said, oh, of course we'll look after him. The poor fella, he's got one eye. Well, one good eye. He has his other eye. It's just not very good. Um, and he'd been he'd been shot with a BB gun. Oh. I know. Oh, in the eye. And he, uh, no, like in his neck. And then um, he has some quite significant ligament damage to his back legs that we believe was caused by you know when they pull in the buggy, they go yeah. on the road and they do go right. quite quick. And that constant, like, hard surface yeah, um, yeah, yeah. has damaged his ligaments. But I, I am pleased to um, tell you that he is recovering. I've Good. seen him do his little prancing, like his little gated buggy walk across the field. Um, and he seems to be a lot more uh, life in his movements. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that. How long has yeah. he been with you? Oh, three weeks, four weeks. Oh wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, big, big improvement. Big improvement. It's quite a lot of mouths to feed, Ben. Pardon? That's quite a lot of mouths to feed. It's quite a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. It's uh, again, it's really helped having those animals to maintain a routine during. Sure. Um, the lock, the stay at home, the lockdown, the yeah, coronavirus right. pandemic. Yeah. Oh, so when do you, when do you think, Jack? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna open back up again. Well, um, apparently here in the UK, um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson is gonna be making some announcement on Sunday about some easing of the lockdown, and there's oh, been a lot of back and forth in the news about uh i i the, the sort of the line that was clearly being fed out this morning was people are getting carried away and we're really not going to be um um loosening the the restrictions that much at all right. it might just be like you can allow to do a bit more exercise or whatever um i, I don't think they're going to be announcing like schools are reopening or anything like that or pubs and what have you um in ter- i mean like realistically until there is an actual virus, um, a vaccine, sorry, um, like some measures are going to be in place until that is developed, tested, rolled out, and people have had it. So, and that could be, you know, at least a year, I should think, at the very very least. So there's going to have to be some, if not a lockdown, there's going to have to be some practices uh, in place for that to happen. And I think people are kind of kidding themselves if, you know, normal life, as it were, is going to be resuming you know, I don't think we're talking about that in weeks and months, really. Well, maybe months, but certainly not weeks, I would say. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the, the the sort of the mitigating thing around that is if we can get some sort of joy out of this contact tracing um, practices that they're talking about. I know South Korea have done really well out of that. Um, but again, I mean, that raises questions around privacy and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, without wanting to paint with very broad strokes, I just think there's a higher more on per capita percentage in the UK than in South Korea and people less likely to do what they're told or adhere to these kind of things anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That can't be true. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's I mean, the same amount of morons per capita across the entire planet. I think they're definitely more on hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, obviously, we're talking about entire populations here, and that's not useful or helpful. But I stand by what I said. Okay. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. Um, so, talk to me about the yeah. contact tracing. Okay, so I'm not super up on it, um, but I know they've been trialing it in the Isle of Wight. I don't think the people in the Isle of Wight were 100% happy that they were the guinea pigs for this thing. But yeah, hey, you're an island population. Yes relatively small so we'll try it um from what i understand and early, like uh i could be way off here i think it, you have some sort of app on your phone you check in with your um current you know if you've been tested if you've got it if you're whatever uh and through everyone doing that they can see oh this person has had it they've been in this locality with seen these people and if they subsequently get the disease, then they can trace that. And then if you're not in an area where those folks have been, then in theory, you can walk around a bit more freely or shops could open in that area, whereas the town over the way doesn't. I think that's very, very broad strokes, kind of what that what that entails. But yeah, I mean, until a vaccine has been developed, if that can mitigate things and allow for a bit more freedom of movement that might be a sort of a holding position but like honestly uh i think i think we should be sitting tight for a bit longer yet i'll be yeah, prepared yeah, to yeah, yeah i wonder with the app how secure the infrastructure would be because what's to stop somebody um hacking into the system and creating all these fake accounts that all have the virus in order to shut down large parts of the country i also think there's a huge um privacy issue that won't yeah, yeah. be i don't know how much it'll be discussed um where you are but over here that'll be that that's completely unacceptable what yeah. what we what we've just discussed give me liberty or give me death like there's no way yeah well, again, I mean, I think that kind of thing is more saleable in cultures that, you know, non-Western cultures, definitely. And I think the UK and to a greater extent, the US is a is a, the prime example of the antithesis of that, really. But, um, yeah. yeah. How about the, uh, I don't know, had there been people like, you know, the protesters that we're seeing on the news, has that been happening in, in your state particularly or not so much? So I heard on... Um, NPR that there was a protest in Annapolis last week that drove from one place to another place and then tried to shut down the um, the governor's mansion is on a roundabout, like in the middle of a roundabout and they tried to shut down okay. the roundabout um, but I guess my problem with what I heard was why NPR are we giving um, airtime 
to a tiny protest of mm. people who uh, disagree with the lockdown when we know that we need to be locked down or lock the stay at home order we know yeah. we need to we need a stay at home order we know we need to be wearing masks like well, I, I just thought that editorial choice was very questionable and mm. i mean to expand that ultimately <clears throat> that's another one of the reasons why we've got um president donald trump for those those kind of outlets making those kinds of decisions mm. Yes. Well, that's a sh- <laughs> that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. What about what about the economy? <sighs> what about the economy? Are you trying to get me to talk about the economy? Because I'll I'll I'll, I'll go. On, my money isn't real. Um, <laughs> I I mean I get it. Like I I get that if you don't do something and get people spending money then the economy crashes and then people die as well so you either go out into the world and spend money uh, and get the disease and die or you stay locked down don't get the disease but eventually the economy collapses and it dies and it's a bit like well if we're uh, if we're so dependent on this thing called the economy not collapsing so that one way or other people don't die then maybe we need a better system of keeping people alive because money's not real and it's made up. Money is absolutely made up. <laughs> it's not real. Have you have you guys had the the um, livelihood versus lives argument? Uh, I, I expand on that. I, I'm sure we have, but I don't think we've heard it framed. Uh, this this idea that um, supports reopening uh, in order to protect the economy or limit the economic um, effects of the virus because. Um, uh, the the stay at home or the lockdown will affect livelihoods, whereas the virus will affect lives, mm. and that the the economic impact of this uh, lockdown shutdown stay at home is going to be is have going to have a a larger effect on people's livelihoods than the virus will have on people's lives. Yeah, I mean, someone from. Uh, I can't remember which paper it was, um, but yeah, it, the Telegraph or something like that was putting forward this basic argument, and his sort of opening gambit was around. I, I can't remember who it was, and to be honest, I don't know if I'd want to credit them anyway. But it, the opening <laughs> gambit was around. You can't put a price on life. Well, actually, you can. Insurers oh, no. do it all the time. <laughs> And we need to actually, well, either you fundamentally believe that or you fundamentally don't. And, yeah, I, I tend to think that it, there's very few things that are worth people dying over. And, I mean, I get, I mean, there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people in this country dying. And it's it's enormous. Of the population, it's a very small fraction, but like it's really not. I don't see how we can be talking like six, seven hundred people are dying every day. Like, if anyone is sort of thinking, well, we could actually afford a few more of those right. deaths. Right. Like, it just seems it's not something I can even really entertain. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely I agree. I think the argument. So the issue with the for me, the issue with the livelihood livelihoods argument is. We haven't been protecting these people's livelihoods until now. 
you know, mm. we've been er eroding social services. We've been destroying the welfare state, you know, for the yeah. last 40, 50 years. And then now you're going to say, but what about these people's livelihoods? It just, I just don't see how you can make that argument in good faith. Yeah. But that's not going to stop anybody from making that argument. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. And I wish it would, <laughs> but it really hasn't. I, it's just, I don't know. It, the level of detachment that you must have from people to be able to sort of, you know, think about that long enough to actually type it up into an article that is then subsequently published. I don't know. It, it, I, I envy that level of detachment almost. Fascinating. Mm. All right, are you? Uh, are we ready to start like uh, wrapping this episode up, Jack? Yeah, I mean, what, what have you got to plug, Ben? When when can we hear? Well, your, when do you see you next in film or your EP dropping? <laughs> if uh, I've got some questions from the fan club in a second, but first, Jack, um, <laughs> I know that you use your your website to organize uh, the podcast and put it out there. Yeah. How, how yeah, did you design? What what service did you use to design that website? I use Squarespace, Ben. Um, Squarespace? Tell me about it. It's got drag-and-drop tools. So wherever I want to drop a dragon, yeah. I can just drop dragons everywhere. That's like, awesome. it's really handy for dragging and dropping dragons. Drag-and-drop tools are <laughs> the best. <laughs> and I read that <laughs> if, if your listeners use the code LOCKDOWNDIARRHEAS, they can mm. get Actually, a hundred and ten percent off. So Squarespace will pay them ten percent to use their website. Building. I mean, it literally sounds too good to be true. That's <laughs> probably because it is. All right, Jack. So I've got three questions from the fan club to end the podcast. Okay, I'm delighted to hear it. Great. Question one: How much do you make? <laughs> How much do I make in general? Yeah. from the podcast how much do you make I think in general in general um, I make you don't have to, you don't have to. <laughs> I was trying to find a creative way of answering that but I am I'm stumped okay um, question two what's your full address and telephone number full address and telephone number uh, number seven um and then in sort of apostrophes, um, it's called the Glebes um, in Little Hampshire, um, West West Chipping, um, and you can work out the postcode from that. Hopefully, that we've, actually, right. we've actually opted for a private postcode. Um, it's uh, JK one five C zero zero one. That's very nice. You know, okay. you can offer the private postcodes these days. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, you get your private postcode, yep. And that yeah, probably yeah. gives you an idea of the income as well. Yeah, I think it's a fair. I wonder, how much does the private postcode cost? Oh, it's a, it's a pro, pro, rata, uh, pro annum, per annum fee um, into the at least six figures. In six figures? Six figure pro, uh, pro, um, pro per annum, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how, uh, how vain it is. This is a very soft end, Jack. <laughs> uh, and the, la the last question. Soft end. From, soft end. The last question from the fan base. Baby names. Baby names. 
talk to us about the baby names. You're obviously, uh, you know, uh, going to be a dad soon. I am. I am going to be a dad soon. Um, we have discussed names. I think we're we're sort of more or less settled. I I I I don't think I'm going to reveal the uh, the confirmed name just yet. Okay. Can I'll, you I'll, I'll can tell you reveal I'll some tell you after the recording. Uh, I can tell you what was rejected. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I I I was uh, a strong advocate for Bruce. Bruce. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Bruce's. Yeah. Uh, obviously Springsteen. Uh, Dickinson, Willis, Wayne. I don't think I know about Bruce. Um, yeah. It's not a name you hear around too much anymore. Um, I really wanted to bring back Bruce, but um, no, not good. Uh, I also really like Eric, um, but again, Eric, um, it sounds like someone that works in a scrap metal yard, unfortunately. I mean, what's wrong with working in a scrap metal yard? Right. I, Absolutely. I, I respect and have, you know, nothing but respect for our scrap metal yard working brothers and sisters. Um, so, yeah, they, they were rejected offhand. Uh, I mean, I rejected a, a great number of Lauren's names as well. Um, Lawrence, she really liked. Lawrence, which is just, I just feel like you can't really just name your child after yourself in that way. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that's cool. Uh, and then quite a lot of Shakespearean names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just, no, we, we don't live in a Jane Austen novel or a, or a Shakespeare play, so I, we had to address anything with more than seven syllables in it was just rejected out of hand. Um, but, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I hopefully I'll be able to reveal baby names, you know, when the, when the, when the deal is done and the package is delivered and the eagle has flown the coop. <laughs> That's really exciting. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, and thank you for uh, making your lockdown diary available because I've re I, I've really really enjoyed listening. Um, just you know, uh, sometimes, especially because of the time difference and because of the delay, and people are still busy and still have work. It's just nice to be able to hear you. And I I, I texted you the other day. It felt like we had been talking quite a lot recently. Mm. But I realised that actually we hadn't been talking that much. I had just been listening to the podcast. I'm, I'm, uh, thank you very much for saying that. I, I'm finding this a lot. I call up people and then I can't remember if I've said that to someone in real life or just to a, my microphone. And uh, yeah, it's hard to keep track of who I've told what. I don't know if that's public information or not. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's sort of nice. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been very fun chatting. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll end the recording now. So thank you, Ben.